This episode is part two of the interview with Claire Cronshaw, who is my editor for my book, The Birth Challenge. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and do so, but you can enjoy this episode as it is. Thank you. Hello, welcome Heartfelt Leaders to Practicing Life podcast with me, your host, Ashley Pitzer. I am a fantasy author, life coach, and hypnotist, and I am against perfectionism, which is why this talk show is called Practicing. This is a place where we normalize mistakes, failures, and difficult decisions and transform them into blessings. This podcast is about sharing life lessons and the stories around overcoming them and what was learned from them. There is no one way to live life, but you can all learn from others and decide what works best for you. I am here to support, lift up, and help heartfelt leaders like you be seen. If you are ready to hear people's stories and really see them, then stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Ashley Pitzer, your host with Practicing Life. Today, I am interviewing my editor for my book, The Birth Challenge, and her name is Claire, Claire Cronshaw, and she is with Cherry Edits. And I'm so happy to have her on my podcast for a number of reasons. One, she was a huge blessing in my life. I had hired an editor and it didn't go really well. And she was my second editor and she came in and saved the day. She saved my book and I'm so grateful for her. So I can't wait to share all of this with you. But also too, I am now like this huge supporter of indie authors and people that are self-publishing and I'm here to support you. I love on you so, so much. And I want to have my editor on here to kind of open the doors, explain anything that I see as common questions out there. I want this to be beneficial for Claire, for you. Um, We'll also talk a little bit about my book. So there's so much to this podcast. I can't wait to jump in and get started. Like, okay, so for you, you like a very character-driven story with those motives. Is there anything else that makes it a great story for you? Um, The arc, really. I want to see, yeah, I want to see some pressure put on a character. I want to see how they cope with that pressure. I want to see... I want to be able to compare and contrast the person. Again, I'm still talking about character, clearly. Um, but <laughs> um, I, I want to uh, compare and contrast that character um, by the end of the story compared to where they were at the start. And also the world, yeah. The, you know, the wider world as well. Have have we Has the wider world, the culture, sort of adjusted in line with what we subsequently know now? You know, where where are we leaving off and I don't like the ends to be too neatly tied so I also don't like being tricked can I tell you about a book that I read recently where I was tricked and I was like the bait and switch it was so um I won't name the author she's quite a big author I was really really surprised I was absolutely really really surprised um so I'd read about a third into the book. It was pretty chunky. I'd read, I read about a third. And then it was the classic. It just suddenly switched and the character woke up from a coma. Okay. And the first third of the book was all coma dream. Don't do that to me. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was quite into that world and that world was suddenly taken away from me, yeah. never to return <laughs> because it was revealed it was a coma dream. Oh, yeah. That's classic, you know. Yeah. And then I woke up. Yeah. yeah. I was really surprised this really established author did this. Anyway, that's yeah, something so I don't like. Don't trick me. <laughs> I'd like, I'm going to circle back to you because I, I want to make you shine. But like, if somebody's wanting to work with you, like, what is your like ideal client? Absolutely. We know it's an ND. Um, yeah. We know it's fantasy. Do you have like your, your avatar? I don't know how much into marketing you're into. So your avatar client. My avatar, I think has evolved really over time. Um, okay. I, I, I do seem to be fairly decent um, at marketing. I, I do a fairly good job at marketing. Um, I don't have an avatar in mind particularly of an, of an author and I think where I was going wrong initially was thinking about well who are the kinds of people who seem naturally drawn to me um, and that was but because I'm quite a people person it, I was sometimes drawing people that were the wrong people as well mm-hmm. so you know I, I sort of have had to develop to think uh, you know more specifically about the right kind of author for me but I like to work with ambitious authors um, and I don't want to work with the hobbyists really. Um, I want you to have grander plans for yourself and I want you to um, want to share your story and not get cold feet. I know that some people have an edit and then the book still doesn't see the light of day because they're too frightened to press publish. So and I, understand, I do understand that, but if I could work with the more confident end of authors, then that is who I would rather work with, um, who have, who are reflective and resilient and want to see where this journey can take them to make sure that, you know, the ones who know that they're going to learn a lot from book one and then we'll get better at book two and and so on, and who were actually willing to be flexible. So I, I've seen a couple of people ask the same question on some author groups, which is they wrote book one, and then they wrote book two, and then they wrote book three. By the time they got to book three, they feel like their book one is terrible, <laughs> you know, because they've learned such a lot since book one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is particularly difficult when you've written a series, because mm-hmm. you think, well, I want to get the read through. And if you think your reader is not going to be satisfied with book one, well, they're not going to read onto two and three. Even if three is wonderful, then book number three is not going to get any readers if book number one, you know. So I think as as you go forward with your um, writing journey, I think that it's important to to be able to look at bigger picture and strategy. So I've suggested to authors before you know if there's something about book one that you don't like anymore can you pull back can you readjust this story could it start at book two you know could book two be book one is there something you can do there where that shifts forward one could could you could there be bits of book one which you now use as like a prequel novella so that um that kind of um flexibility 
and willingness to I also think it's important and I don't know what you're doing so I hope I'm not going not going to put my foot in it here Ashley I think it's important to um not to bite off more than I want ambition but I also want people who don't try to bite off more than they can chew so um it's not ideal to commit yourself to for instance a nine book series if you're brand new because as you say by book five six you'll hate book one by this point and you'll be you know so I think sort of trilogies are nice because after a trilogy you can move on to something else but kind of I don't don't want to be me I have no idea what I'm doing I obviously I'm working where it goes see where it goes well and I already know book two is going to have book three because of where book two is ending so um but I don't know what's I don't even know what books I don't even know what happens in book three I know where yeah. book two ends, but it's it's a mystery to me, and I can't wait to find out. <laughs> but I would honestly, I would, I would. So I'm just sowing the seeds now for you that maybe three would be nice to get to to a nice point to get to because even for yourself, you might want a fresh start afterwards. You might want to write something else, and you might just be ready to shake things up a little bit and and try a different story by this point. So I don't think that new writers should should commit themselves to kind of nine, 10, etc. cetera, um, book series. I think that gets a bit much. Well, I always intended this to be just one book, <laughs> but then when I got, as where I got, I was like, well, I'm not able to finish this. Yeah. So to finish it, I had to go into book two. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I get that. Um, so like, as far as let's talk about my book for a second. What were some differences in my book than maybe some of the other ones that you've edited? Well, one of my other fantasy authors was um, very upset that um, his word count was that you exceeded his word count. He thought that he was my epic. He said 155,000 words. He'd sent me 135,000 like a few months before. 155. So, so yes, I mean, there's the obviously the scale of it was a little like 20,000 words more than my longest author to date. So, um, yeah, the scale of it was different compared to some of the other fantasy um, authors that I have worked with um I think oh I know I know what what was and I messaged you to say this because I absolutely loved it I didn't really know about your sort of tarot you know mindfulness all this kind of aspects of you I didn't really know about that when I started editing your work and I absolutely loved it because there was one day can't, can't even remember what was wrong with me there was one day where I was just in a bit of a funk don't remember what was there was something on my mind it was something wrong and I was editing a chapter of yours with Fabia yeah Yeah, Fabia yeah um and she spoke to me whatever she was saying to Sabina that day spoke to me and it was about something like it was about sort of controlling your reactions about you know what you can control about external forces or you can't or what you're in control of I think I was hung up on something um and I've been doing a lot 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 of reading in recent years about mindset and about healthy mindset and so on um and I and it was really really refreshing for me to read you know an epic fantasy like yours that felt really current because of the healthy mindset 
yeah. liked that. I really yeah. liked that. And that was different for me where I felt like the book was doing more than just telling me the story. Yeah, I, I really wanted to enter, do more than just entertain. Not There's nothing wrong with just entertaining because no. I love, I love yeah. just being entertained. But like when I coach people, there are some very common, consistent things across a lot of the people that come to me. And so I was like, you know what? In the, 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 the old days, like hundreds of years ago, people learned through stories yeah and I really wanted to take the story and teach people how to have this mindset in these tough moments so yeah, that they could there's some it's there's and I'm also a hypnotist so I understand how your subconscious works and your subconscious works with stories so I wanted to make sure in a story format that their subconscious was seeing an example a modeling of how they could have a coping skill in this situation without it being like in your face you know what I mean yeah. like it's still like you're still being entertained and yeah so that was really refreshing I felt like it was really modern if that doesn't sound condescending but very sort of it, it just suited me it suited my zeitgeist of the kind of the way that <laughs> well I didn't I, know that you were into mindset so see, well like, it's so aligned I, yeah well exactly and as I said it's about and that so it is the mindset of the people that I like working with and so the fact that that was there in the story as well and the characters were kind of coaching each other through trials and tribulations um that was really new to me you know obviously characters come up against it but but yeah it is that coaching it there wouldn't be a story without conflict so obviously everything mm. I read there's some sort of conflict or other but it's the fact that there were that characters were kind of coaching each other through it and, and allowing each other the space to struggle with it come struggle up with and realize and fix it yourself I mean here's advice here's you know but you've got to work through it yourself so yeah if it I think that was it I think it felt like a different tone of fantasy to what I'm used to in a refreshing way yeah and yeah. I mean the characters were young so that was that was cool you know and it sort of worked in that regard um yeah yeah uh, that, that was different and I know that I met and you talked about this with your sister but I loved the dialogue and I did not think that there was too much dialogue because it was so natural it was so natural thank you just and you clearly can picture these characters and you can really sort of hear them talking to each other yeah sometimes authors don't do as well with dialogue because it is too wooden um, and it wasn't wooden at all, you know. Well, and I was so. judging myself before you let me know that you liked, um, well, it'd be just because like I have read, I read tons of stuff too. And I, so in my mind, there was this comparison that was happening, even though I'm a life coach, even though I know comparison isn't healthy, like it still exists. I just ignore it as much as possible or I face it, you know, like those are my two yeah. options. And so like, I was thinking in my head, well, this has a lot of dialogue, but I enjoy it. So I'm keeping it like, so that was my yeah. choice. And, but in my head, I was like, when I read a lot of books, they don't have nearly as much dialogue. And so I was thinking, well, this, this is a negative towards my book. That's how I was coming up with it. But I was like, I don't care. This is who I am. This is my authentic self. I'm keeping it like, yeah, 
And I thought as well that the uh, dialogue really helped with the characterization because they all had such distinct voices. You weren't going mm -hmm. to mix two characters up. So if I, if you took, you know, if you took a line of dialogue from a page, I could tell who was speaking. They yeah, had a very distinctive, cool. yeah. And you were saying to your sister as well about kind of keeping the details of the characters a little bit more minimal, so that to really get that reader immersion into picture them how you picture them and I think voices tell us so much about somebody yeah yeah so well it's I, I mean that's it it is a balancing act and I can see why the advice to authors is to make sure that you do have this good balance of description and dialogue and I do believe you did I, you know you did you didn't just it wasn't just it wasn't a script you didn't give me a script it was dialogue and it was description as well and the balance was good um, and if you feel like it was a it was um, there was more dialogue than you often see in what you read, yeah, possibly there, possibly, but it worked, and that's if it works, it works. Yeah. So, so who was your favorite character? Um. Well, I think that I, th I was going to say Fabia. And I know you love Fabia too, don't you? I heard you say that to your sister. Absolutely. And I've already mentioned the mindset stuff. But I really liked the sort of tensions between Flan and um, Benford Tulk. Oh, yes. So, yeah. yeah, I really liked the sort of the way that they um, loved each other up the road. You know, yeah. I, I, I love that kind of competitive. You love both too, then. Ah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked that. And this idea that, you know, she had all of these suitors, I think it was just sort of setting up such a fun, lo lots of opportunities for competitiveness, I suppose. Yeah, um, I really so enjoyed, enjoyed that. So mm -hmm. like, I just as a side story, and then we'll get back to things. But you know, um, so I, my husband, I didn't let him read anything other than chapter one, but I finally gave him after it's been lovely and polished by you I gave him the whole book to read and so anyway um it, it, for whatever reason he's kind of like my my one of my harsher critics you know and so it's one of the reasons I didn't let him read it because I was like oh I'm so sensitive to what he says because he's important to me you know and so I know this and so I was like you're not reading this but he finally read it and so one of my favorite scenes to write he absolutely hated and it was all this like bantering you know and he was like I don't even characters I don't even care about these characters and I was like but I loved that scene <laughs> so anyway just I love a bit story. of banter I love a bit of banter yeah so um as far as like I, I wanted to have teaching moments for editors out there so what do you feel like is the most common <clears throat> editing stuff that you see and like maybe tips to solving that um uh, just to consult my notebook because I made a couple of notes earlier okay. about okay. this I love um, it Let's have a little look. What did I say earlier? Oh, yes. Um, so one real, real common error is in punctuating speech and especially punctuating interrupted speech. So, uh, you know, so, uh, for instance, an action happens in the middle of somebody saying something. And that's just a technical difficulty. But when people are, you know, do I use commas here? Do I use M dashes? Like, how do I navigate the the fact that I've broken up what the character is saying by them doing an action so I quite often have to deal with interrupted speech and how and 
punctuating that. Um, now there are, are you going to do some show notes? Are you um, after the podcast? Okay, like you mean like in my show notes, like how they can connect with you and some stuff like links, that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say now I wish I had this on my own website, but I don't at the moment. There is another editor's website but you know who has a really excellent blog on punctuating speech and how to I think I probably put it in the in the queries or the style comments for yourself um of how to punctuate interrupted speech so that's a really useful resource that I can pass on to people um there's also dangling modifiers they're always fun um so a dangling modifier I quite often see this and it's almost like that idea of can you uh scratch your head and rub your stomach at the same time there's some things that you can't you can't do simultaneously so this would be for instance at the start of a sentence where you might have something like um uh you know bending down to pick up his sword he stabs his opponent in the chest it's like he can't be both bending down yeah. And also, you know, that kind of construction where like a false simul simultaneity where two things are, are said to be happening at once that can't possibly happen at once. So dangling modifiers and false simultaneities, which uh, are kind of caused by the same problem, which is the subordinate clause at the start of a sentence. Like, Well, you can't have those two things together. They don't work together. Um, so I do see problems with that a fair bit. Um Head hopping, which I mentioned to you, I don't get loads of it, but I do get bits and pieces where authors do sort of drift out of the narrative point of view that they have adopted. And it's all about narrative distance. So, for instance, you know, if you're if, if we are given access to a character's thoughts, um, then we are, even though it's third person, we are in the third person limited because we're getting access to their thoughts. So this isn't an example from yours, but for instance, if we then find out that they, I don't know, came out in spots or something, or their face, something happened to their face, it's like, are they looking in a mirror? Like, how does that character, that character can't see their own face Mm -hmm. you've, you're looking at this character now from somebody else's point of view you've head hopped to the person who's looking at them but we were in their thoughts a moment ago and you've not shifted you've not shown by a line break or anything that we've shifted point of view um so so things like that and they but they can be quite easily fixed um you know with line spaces so that you can show that change from one third person limited to another or for instance like the example with the face like you can't see what's on on your own face and there, there's not suddenly a mirror you know that's too much of a coincidence but they could feel yeah, something you on that their face to me. you know that they if, if it was somebody with a red face they can feel their red face as opposed to seeing their red face you know yeah. so it's kind of like internalizing it rather than somebody viewing it from this way onwards that in, you, you're getting the feeling from the inside so it's narrative distance yeah I do see I do see the occasional drift um, into either head hopping or occasionally the odd bit of omniscience where we're even further zoomed out you know um yeah. like little did this, this character know that 
in seven years such and such a thing hang on why are we suddenly god <laughs> you know we were really close yeah. we were in we were in this character's head a minute ago and now we're god and we mm-hmm. know what's happening at the other side of the world and so that kind of movement around so narrative distance can be a bit of a so i would say that um new writers if you can read up on narrative distance to be sure that you know what what you're doing and and how to achieve it well because that is something that a developmental edit would be helpful for but if you are going to forego the developmental edit for whatever reason you've chosen to forego it then at least you need to make sure you're aware of narrative distance so that so that that you can give so that you can give your reader the experience you want to give them you know know, one of the things that you explained to me which I didn't really understand because I just I I mean I I'm a curious person I love being in people's heads I love knowing what they're thinking so that's one of the reasons I have so many point of views and like the head hopping but you explained to me that that actually is creating the opposite effect of I'm going for it like unimmerses you and I didn't get that and I was like oh I really value and appreciate that like teaching and the pointing things out and kind of guiding me on ways to do it differently. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was just really great how you did it and very, like I said, aware. I'm now more aware, but I did like, I did want to ask, cause like, so there are so many developmental editors out there that is like, you have to have, you have to have a scene break. And so there's times when like, you know, I'm working on something and I'm like, well, I don't want a scene break. And I go with your line break. So like, do, do you feel like there's like a, a rule of thumb with that? Like you have to have five paragraphs or like whatever, like. No, no, I don't. There isn't a rule of thumb, but it is, it's, it would almost make you seasick yeah. if you were shifting too quickly. So, you know, a rule of thumb, I don't know. I think I said to you, because there was sometimes I added in the word, it, you know a phrase like it appeared or it seemed so that we were yes, yeah yeah so that we could see from we could stay with the point of view character that we were currently with so we fixed it that way but sometimes you had to have a shift because the story wouldn't work unless you did have a shift and I sort of I remember thinking about yours and thinking well I don't want to shift now because we've literally only had a paragraph of this character's thoughts and I don't want to shift because it's too too much jolting around so I mean, I like, I like it when a chapter is told from a certain Mm -hmm. POV, you know, Mm -hmm. but I understand that doesn't always work with the storytelling. So the long, the longer, the better, the more, you know, the longer you can immerse the reader in, in that narrative point of view, the better, but at the very least, you know, three paragraphs or, or so. Otherwise, it's too much, too much jumping around. Yeah. So, hmm, so that was kind of my rule of thumb. Would... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that just that's it's a rule of thumb that I, you know, I don't really want to be drawn on because it's not something. It it depends on the context, but yeah. I would be picking you up on it if it was shorter than three paragraphs. Like we've just changed. That's too quick. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'll I'll keep working on that for me and for other people are out there. Yeah, you know, we we managed though, didn't we? We we managed with book one when you didn't know so much about the old head hopping, and we managed and we fixed and we did. So, um, you are more knowledgeable now. I'm sure it will be better because as a result of this. But don't get hung up on it. 
to the point where I can't write prevents you yeah moving forward yeah exactly keep moving forward yeah I don't want to do too much censorship exactly yeah exactly it's about finding the balance do you find a lot of the people that you worked with I mean because like I didn't go to school to be a writer I mean I just you know I love to write I've taken in college, which is, you know, 20 plus years ago, creative writing classes and whatnot. And I obviously was, uh, you know, a business professional. So writing press releases and whatever. But um, do you find like a lot of the people that you're working with are more like people that went to school for literature? Or do you find like, there's people like me that are like, I just like to write anybody can write and I'm just doing it. (laughs) It's that's the people that come to me. It's because it's really interesting because on LinkedIn, um, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and I'll sometimes get connection requests from people, you know, uh, such and such a person who works at an environmental agency and whoever else who works in aeronautics. OK, why do they want to connect with me? And it's so difficult to know whether to click accept because mm-hmm. they could be the person that drops me a message that says, I do have a day job, but I'm writing this novel, <laughs> um, you know, and, and we kind of connect that way. Um, so I get a lot of people who are the, and actually who've come to it later in life. Um, yeah. I worked with a couple of, have I, let's have a think, this was quite a while ago. I've worked with a couple of writers in their early 20s, okay. um, but I tend to work with the ones who have had the day job they've done some of them still are doing the corporate thing some of them are squirreling away trying to write at weekends they get up at 4am or whatever but they want out they want out of the corporate rat race they want out of that and they want to make a living from their writing um but like this is again, it's it's the whole aligning because that was like me with teaching. I had to work so hard while I was teaching full time and also started to retrain. There aren't enough hours in the week anyway to be a teacher. So to suddenly say I'm going to go back to school and study how to be a proofreader first and then an editor, I had to I had to find those hours in order mm-hmm. to do that studying. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, I did it and I made it work. So I really understand the indie authors who they're still working full time, but they are writing. And in an ideal world, what they hope to do is to be able to eventually support themselves from their from their books, you know. Do you so like once you've done um, editing and the the, you guys go your separate ways and do you follow what happens with the book typically or are you getting too busy to do that or? Um. I am connected to most of my author clients on either LinkedIn or Facebook, the occasional person on Instagram and and so on. So it's quite nice to just be in the general sort of, depending on the algorithm, as we've mentioned, Uh but to just kind of see the occasional post about what they're up to. And that's always fun. So when so when they've got their books out on these blog tours, tours, sorry, pronunciation, I don't don't know if you caught that one, but the blog tours that um people, you know, everyone gets their books uh, read by bloggers and, and so on, or um they get a book book promotion on it, or they, you know, whatever they're doing as their marketing efforts, or they've had a brilliant 
Goodreads review and they're selling and, and they're sharing that. It's always nice to see. So I follow it in that regard. So mm -hmm. just to it's it, it is nice to see where they go from you know from there um, with their with their books and, and what happens next. Now, one thing I will say is that I would I would never. I always I like to support the people that I've worked with. I like to um, you know see what they're up to online. I'll throw them a like and I'll share and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't write them a book review uh, because oh, I feel yeah. like there's an ethical line there. So so I, I'm not going to you know support an author in that way to kind of fire a good review their way because I don't think that's ethically right. But I I love sort of seeing what they're up to. I love what I actually really love reading the reviews because <laughs> oh, you know yeah because I think okay and I also think it's not a bad thing for me as well because not all reviews are positive mm, yeah. I mean it, there's always going to be the occasional one isn't there and and I think well actually it's good for me as well to see it's been good for my professional development to see what readers like and what they don't like so mm. I yeah, that's really insightful of you. I like that you do that. Well, I just think I could do with knowing this, really. Yeah. Well, it, kind of, it also kind of creates that more that bondedness between you and your author, because like you, you realize that your energy is part of the book and that you helped play a part in whatever review yeah. that they received. So, I mean, not yeah. necessarily like the storyline or the plot line, but like you yeah. said, you, you know, you mentioned a couple of times with my book, your job was to enhance it. And you did, you know, like, so, yeah. 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 No, sorry. I, I, I do. I, I like to kind of see what they're up to. There's one or two authors who maybe aren't doing so much writing at the moment or their life has changed in some way or other. So they've kind of dropped off and I'm not really sure what they're up to anymore. But yeah, there's a key kind of group of authors where I sort of see what they're up to in the general social media world. Yeah, <laughs> or in fact, I might be on their mailing list. I quite like to be on an author mailing list to see what yeah. they're up to as well. That's quite nice. Yeah, then you don't have to worry about those the rhythms. But it, yeah, it, it seems like you do have a lot of like, because when I went in and read your testimonies before, you know, even I think even reaching out to you, I was reading your testimonies first. Um, it seemed to me that you had a lot of uh, client. one clients had great things to say about you, but you had repeat clients like, yeah, that, that you improved their work so much that they came back for the second one, you know, like, so that's, I mean, I really think I love that. And, you know, the style sheet that I sent you with your mm -hmm. edit, which for the listeners is almost like a Bible that goes with your first novel and we can kind of continue building on it as, as we get into your second so it's got the character details it's got the geography it's got you know keeping tabs and so on and I love coming back to a second book working with the same author in the same series because oh look there's the style sheet and I can check from before you know what Flan looked like last time make sure his hair's still the same in book two um yeah. it's <laughs> it's um it's really nice to revisit characters and and kind of um and see more of them and, and learn more about their stories, I suppose. And I'm using it too. So for all of the um, authors out there, even when I'm writing book two, I'm like, now, is this one of the words that is capitalized or not capitalized? And I'll go back to your style sheet and double check it. Because it's useful details that I want to remember, you know? So yeah, yeah it's, it's good. Um, I wouldn't like to edit with 
without completing a style sheet to go to go with an edit you know it's um it's my safety blanket <laughs> and I actually looked at our style sheet before this interview because obviously since I did your I think I sent yours back on like November the 30th I think yeah. um, and I've done several books since then even though we're only on the 10th of January I don't know I've been really busy and so I was just refreshing myself reminding myself so it's nice as a little recap yeah to look back well, to this style you in my prologue because I changed my mind and decided to add oh it. yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Should I have a prologue? Should I not have a prologue? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know this is a side topic, but again, I decided to add the prologue because I was like, I started getting paranoid that maybe people will think this is like a bait and switch. And so I was like, I, I'm going to keep the prologue in here because this is my intention, but I don't know how well it came across. So like when I have these discussions with my sister and I'll be talking to her and be like, well, did you think this or this? And she'll be like, no. And I'm like, well, you're not finished reading the story. So come back to me. You know? Yeah, and wait so till I'm you've like, got to the end. Wait till, has she got to the end now? No, she hasn't. I mean, she's a school teacher. And so, oh, she, well, yeah. I understand that then. <laughs> she yeah, has exactly. no time. She has no time, but during the, the like the winter break and um, she she's in Florida. So hurricane season, she was able to read a lot during those times, but then she's back in school and just, there's no time, you know, like there's always little things that she has to do to prep and like it's like having two jobs you know you got your teaching job and then you got your home and prepping job so Um, yeah it's crazy (laughs) yeah I'm trying to there's one other question I know I wanted to ask you and I know we're getting long so we need to kind of wrap up um oh I was I guess I wanted to ask like do you have a like blog because like you know like for me like sometimes mm, I'm just going to share my perspective right I didn't go to writing school I didn't go to writing classes I didn't go to like any things like that. And so like, when I first started talking about my book, like somebody came up to me and was like, well, is this like a, you know, urban fantasy? Is this a romantic fantasy? Is this a paranoia? And I was like, I don't know what these words mean. Should I know what they mean? Now, (laughs) since I have, and I keep learning more things, it is like unbelievable. Like I didn't, like somebody came up to me and was like, well, what's your top tropes? And I'm like, what's the trope mean? Like sometimes I wish there was like, you know, um, places to go for the people that aren't in, in the writing world. But I like, that's what I said to the people. I'm like, when I pick up a book, I don't pick up a book and say, does it have these tropes? Does it have? Yeah, but some readers urban? do, you know, some readers, so. yeah, especially romance readers, they, they want enemies to lovers and they want enemies to lovers every time. Yes. And don't I mean, okay. her, you'll die. <laughs> you know it's it's but yeah it's um it's a whole new vocabulary to learn isn't it yeah I've had to you know and like I know you're an editor and you're like you're so into this so like sometimes I'm like I wish I could go ask Claire these things and I'm like well do you know um I like to be a sounding board for um for authors because as I said I know the world really well because I think that if I had just come at this new phase of my life as an editor, as a proofreader, but that I didn't know about, I don't know, let's say draft to digital or formatting a manuscript or marketing a book, or I kind of know about all of the things around the edge because of what my husband John does. So I usually have the answer to the questions. And if I don't know the answer, then I usually can point you to a Facebook group or a blog or a resource. So, yeah, that's a, something that I hope that your listeners, if they do look me up online, 
I, I, I'm, I don't mind being that sounding board. I can't answer everything and I can't always promise to have time to give detailed responses. But if it's just firing you a quick link, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, you helped me so, with the spice thing. I understand a we, lot more Yeah, now. we did a little bit of spice research, didn't we, together to, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, to understand like how just... spicy there's this uh, like paranoia of like, I don't want to mislead people. And like my, uh, to me, <clears throat> my opinion, but my book to me is unique. Like maybe there are some things that are common for all the books out there. And so sometimes I'm like, well, you know, like, like, let's say enemies to lovers. I'm like, I can't call this enemies to lovers because they're just two people who started off on a wrong foot and have this major dislike for each other. Can it be dislike to interest? Because butting heads is considered enemies. But then for other people, enemies means like, no, we're like at war with each other. It's my life versus your life, like that type of enemies. And then you get into this, like. It's really, it's interesting because I'm just looking at at something I wrote down earlier about the difference between romantic fantasy and fantasy romance. If If you're telling, if you're telling your readers that your book is fantasy romance, you've got to give them a happily ever after oh. or they won't. So if you're not giving them a, um, a, a happy ever after, then you then call it a romantic fantasy, hmm. not a fantasy romance. That's like, okay. oh my gosh, I'm going to have to write that down because those two words, like that goes into my dyslexia and I'm just like, and ah! you've already switched it around. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I'll I'll message I'll send this to you on a message afterwards. But romantic fantasy, you could have something like a high fantasy with a romance subplot. So I was thinking about this because I was thinking about Sabina in your story, and it was like, what are we more invested in? Are we invested in her kind of quest and her sort of development, or are we more invested in? I don't want to give anything away, but um, sort of a, a, a romance storyline or so on. But, so I won't say too much, but you have a think about whether which one is the most prominent, you know, is it more about the quest? Is it more about the um, development of that character? Is it more about the, the uh, a romance? Is it not? So yeah. Do you know what I think about though? For some reason, this is how strange my brain works. I think, well, it's like dirty dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. nobody brings a watermelon Ashley don't market it like that or they'll be waiting for a watermelon story is all about her having this challenge with her father like he's your antagonist in this like story and she's wanting to be who she is regardless and she wants him to love her right and that is the story and the story takes place through I'm gonna step in and learn how to dance because this is exciting and this like I, I have a purpose. I have a role. I can help here. Like whatever. She steps in and does this, and the story would exist without Patrick Swayze and her becoming an item. But it makes it like it makes the story so freaking great because they could have just. I'm. I'm. The reason I think of Dirty Dancing is because my husband and I do ballroom dancing and like swing yeah, dancing yeah, yeah. and all of this stuff, and so. I know you can have partners that are not even sexually like in the same category, regardless of what gender they are, you know, like they, they could be the same genders dancing with each other and they could have nothing towards each other. You know what I mean? And 
And so you can have partners in dancing that emulate this intimacy, you know, that look great on the dance floor, but they have nothing towards each other. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the in dirty dancing that they came together, because they could have just kept fighting with each other and butting heads and um, not created that romantic connection, that intimacy. And it, the story would have been, the story still would have been complete, but the romance like brought it up major novel, you know? And so like, that's what I really think about like my book, you know, like the story could have existed without this drama, Mm -hmm. but boy, does it really. Yeah. But if it could have existed without the romance, then I think that you know that the romance is secondary. Yeah. So I think you want to be calling it a romantic fantasy and not a fantasy romance. It's so weird. I mean, so again, I'm like, why would you start off with romantic? Because then that means. Oh, I know. That's coming first. I I understand that. I I get that as well. Well, anyway, you're a world of information. I think that if you ever do start a blog, you'll have all of these great things to bring. I do have a blog. I do have a blog at cherryedits.com. I I do blog there. But the mailing list, yes, the mailing list, watch out for that because um, 1st of February, I'm going to hopefully launch the mailing list. So that'll be a good way to keep in touch as well. Yeah, that's super exciting. And I'm so glad to have you on this podcast and to learn so much from you and to be able to get to work with you. And even though I want to keep Claire all to myself, (laughs) (laughs) please go and check her out because she's amazing and she's fast and she's efficient and easy to work with. And just, I can't say enough glowing, wonderful things about her. And I hope you learned a lot from listening today. Is there anything that you want to tell future you know, clients or authors out there or editors even, because, you know, sometimes just speaking your, to your editors is good. Um, authors, just write that book, just get it written, you know, have confidence, just push forward and challenge those inner thoughts that are preventing you from getting this book out. Just get it written, you know. So authors, just just write, write, write. And um, I don't know, other editors... I love being part of the editing community and what I really like about it is that we all we're all different so you know it's so important important for authors to check out editors and it might be that I'm the editor for you and it might be that I'm not and that's both equally valid and that's absolutely fine so just connect you know get some editors in your network see have a look them up on LinkedIn look them up on Facebook look them up wherever you hang out and I would just say see what you make of um of the editors do you like the the sense you're getting of them do you like the feel of them do you like the the way their personality comes across because I think that getting that connection really really helps so yeah Yeah, I really I would just say too, to kind of back that up is that um, when I chose Claire, I was willing to pay the conversion rate. So I actually spent hundreds of dollars more just to work with her. That's how good she is. Okay, people, (laughs) I'm just telling you. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much, Ashley. I just think the stars must have aligned because this is wonderful it's been such a great experience oh, thank you 
Well, I'm so glad to have you in my life and to work with you to everybody listening. Thank you for hanging on till the end. Please reach out to either one of us and letting us know what questions you have, or if you want to work with Claire, I guess I will share her. <laughs> anyway, Get in line. Yeah, exactly. All right, everyone, you matter, and I will see you next week. Thank you for staying with me to the end of the podcast. My intention is for you to receive valuable content that leads you to create the life you desire. I certainly love sharing my gifts with you. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with your friends and loved ones if you found value in it? Also, it would be so helpful if you could leave a five-star review on Apple. I would greatly appreciate it. If you would like to be interviewed on this podcast, if you have a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you would like to work one-on-one with me, then DM me on my socials. Everything you need to find me is in the show notes. Make it a great day.